July 7th. Today's reading in the New Testament will be from the book of Acts, chapter 25, verses 1 through 27. Festus tried to use Paul as a political pawn to win favor with the Jews. If he had succeeded and sent Paul to Jerusalem, the apostle would have been killed. Paul did the wise thing. He used his rights as a Roman citizen and appealed to Caesar. There are times when believers must use the law to protect themselves and the ministry. But now Festus had a problem. How could he send Paul to Caesar when he had no charges against him that could be proved? God's people sometimes are treated like the guilty, even though they are innocent. Remember Joseph, David, Daniel, and Jeremiah, not to mention our Lord Jesus Christ. In all that happened, God was fulfilling His promise to Paul that He would witness before rulers and finally get to Rome. Being a prisoner and enduring the hearings were difficult for Paul, but he used his opportunities wisely. He believed Jesus' words. And that he spoke in Luke chapter 21, verse 13, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. July 7th, Acts chapter 25, verses 1 through 27. Three days after Festus arrived in Caesarea to take over his new responsibilities, he left for Jerusalem, where the leading priests and other Jewish leaders met with him and made their accusations against Paul. They asked Festus as a favor to transfer Paul to Jerusalem. Their plan was to waylay and kill him. But Festus replied that Paul was at Caesarea, and he himself would be returning there soon. So he said, Those of you in authority can return with me. If Paul has done anything wrong, you can make your accusations. Eight or ten days later, he returned to Caesarea, and on the following day, Paul's trial began. On Paul's arrival in court, the Jewish leaders from Jerusalem gathered around and made many serious accusations they couldn't prove. Paul denied the charges. I am not guilty, he said. I have committed no crime against the Jewish laws or the temple or the Roman government. Then Festus, wanting to please the Jews, asked him, Are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there? But Paul replied, No, this is the official Roman court, so I ought to be tried right here. You know very well I am not guilty. If I have done something worthy of death, I don't refuse to die. But if I am innocent, neither you nor anyone else has a right to turn me over to these men to kill me. I appeal to Caesar. Festus conferred with his advisors and then replied, Very well. You have appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar you shall go. A few days later, King Agrippa arrived with his sister Bernice to pay their respects to Festus. During their stay of several days, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. There is a prisoner here, he told him, whose case was left for me by Felix. When I was in Jerusalem, the leading priests and other Jewish leaders pressed charges against him and asked me to sentence him. Of course, I quickly pointed out to them that Roman law does not convict people without a trial. They are given an opportunity to defend themselves face to face with their accusers. When they came here for the trial, 
I called the case the very next day and ordered Paul brought in. But the accusations made against him weren't at all what I expected. It was something about their religion and about someone called Jesus who died, but whom Paul insists is alive. I was perplexed as to how to conduct an investigation of this kind, and I asked him whether he would be willing to stand trial on these charges in Jerusalem. But Paul appealed to the emperor, so I ordered him back to jail until I could arrange to send him to Caesar. I'd like to hear the man myself, Agrippa said, and Festus replied, You shall, tomorrow. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice arrived at the auditorium with great pomp, accompanied by military officers and prominent men of the city. Festus ordered that Paul be brought in. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all present, this is the man whose death is demanded by both the local Jews and by those in Jerusalem. But in my opinion, he has done nothing worthy of death. However, he appealed his case to the emperor, and I decided to send him. But what shall I write the emperor? For there is no real charge against him. So I have brought him before all of you, and especially you, King Agrippa, so that after we examine him, I might have something to write. For it doesn't seem reasonable to send a prisoner to the emperor without specifying the charges against him. Christianity isn't a story to tell our children. That's the subject of the day's Higher Things video short. We as parents tell our children stories. We tell our children myths or legends. We, um, we, uh, we put them in Avengers clothing or um, different. we tell them different stories connected to holidays. And you know what I'm saying. These are stories that we maybe have heard before we passed on from our kids, but they're not real. When we teach the faith of Jesus to our kids, when we talk about the faith of Jesus, we're not talking about a story. Jesus isn't like Superman or uh, like Batman. Uh, Christ actually is real. There was a Jesus who lived his life for us, who performed miracles, who was born of the Virgin Mary um, on Christmas, performed miracles, um, uh, lived his life for us, preached, taught, raised the dead, suffered, was betrayed into the hands of sinners, was crucified and died. There was a Jesus who's, who rose again on the third day. That isn't a story or a myth that we need to teach our kids that this Christ who died for us and rose for us lives for us now. He doesn't deal with us by whether we're naughty or nice. He doesn't just leave candy to those who are good. He deals with us by what He did for us, His cross and resurrection. And faith in Him and believing in Him is the only way to life everlasting. So raise your kids and teach your kids the importance of Jesus. It's not just another story. They're going to get to college where their teachers and professors will speak about the faith of Jesus. 
or their creation account as if it's just another man. Um, like Buddy the Elf. There, we must, we must teach them that the reality of the resurrection of Christ. And in so teaching them and so emphasizing for them that Christ died and rose again, we too hear the gospel again. We too hear the message, which isn't a story that we love to tell. It's more than that. This is the reality of the universe, the thing which changes everything, the reason why we share, the reason why we don't hit others, the reason why we live a decent life, the reason why we go to church, the reason why we don't use foul language and don't take the Lord's name in vain, the reason why superstitions for us, like not stepping on chalk on a baseball field, are just games we play. They're not real. The realness is that Christ died and he rose again for us and he lives for us and that's the reason why we do everything from being nice to people to believing that grandpa is going to we're going to see grandpa in heaven it's all about the resurrection of christ the death and resurrection of christ and that's what we teach our children we teach them that as if their life depends depended on it because our life and their life forever dies think about these things teach your kids the faith teach them the reality of the death and resurrection of christ not as a story but as this is our faith and our life depends on it Today we're reading in Psalm 5, verses 1 through 12, and we see here that when he served in King Saul's court, David was often attacked by some of Saul's officers who flattered the king and lied about David. King Saul actually believed that David was trying to steal the throne. When people lie about you, follow David's example and pray about the matter. Hear me, was his request. David began the day with his heart lifted up to God. God knew the sinful words of the liars, but he also heard the believing prayers of his servant. He prayed, Lead me. David had to be careful because Saul and his leaders were watching him and his life was in danger. He worshipped God and asked for God's daily direction. And he prayed, Protect me. David did not fight Saul or Saul's men. He left those battles to the Lord. He trusted God to care for him, and God did not fail. And he prayed, Bless me. Protection is the last thing named. Beyond that, David was blessed with joy, confidence, and a deeper love for the Lord. Times of suffering can be times of growing if we let the Lord have his way. Psalm chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. For the choir director, a psalm of David, to be accompanied by the flute. O Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For I will never pray to anyone but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my requests to you and wait expectantly. O God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the slightest sin. Therefore the proud will not be allowed to stand in your presence, for you hate all who do evil. You will destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers and deceivers. 
Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. With deepest awe, I will worship at your temple. Lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Tell me clearly what to do, and show me which way to turn. My enemies cannot speak one truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their speech is filled with flattery. O God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they rebel against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice, and let them sing joyful praises forever. Protect them, so all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord, surrounding them with your shield of love. Proverbs 18, verse 19. It's harder to make amends with an offended friend than to capture a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with iron bars.